Good afternoon. This is Priestess Shoshana with Temple de la Luna. We are here um, doing our series of work with women CEOs and business owners. We are pleased to be here today with Amanda of Three Crows Conjure. Amanda, would you like to introduce yourself for us today? It would be an honor. My name is Amanda Keith. Um, I am co-owner of Three Crows Conjure. We are a company of we hand make our custom make um, our candles, oils, powders. I'm a root worker. I'm a witch, um, priestess, wife, mother. I mean, I have many hats, many different titles. I'm a teacher. Um, just honored to be here today. So. I'm absolutely honored to have you here as well. One of the things that I noticed in our preparation work with each other is, is that you had started your spiritual work um, in your teenage years. Can you yes. tell us how old you were when you started actually helping people? Honestly, that's kind of awkward. I mean, I've been doing it my whole life. I remember I was always more comfortable with adults. Um, and I just, I was always that person that people would come and talk to, um, yeah. um, ask for advice. My friends, even as a kid, I would always go, why are people coming to me? Why do people tell me their problems? Um, before I was even more aware of what I was and as I got older, but professionally, I started helping people at 21. Yes. Yes. So. And I remember that you incorporated at the age of 21, and for, for a lot of us, we don't understand like how remarkable that is to be somebody who's really, truly always believed that you could accomplish your goals and put your heart and your soul and your work into being someone who's on the outskirts of the norm of society yeah. and somebody who has taken um, the, the difficulties of life and turned them around in a way that is immediately provided income for yourself, helped yourself heal, but then also helped other people's. And I think that, you know, we can't um, ignore that because it is such a fabulous aspect to what you do that you've been doing it for so long and yeah. that you've become, you know, very well known in your business. So can you introduce your business to us? And then also um, tell us what some of your accomplishments are and have been since you started your business at the age of 21. Well, we provide um, psychic readings and root work consultations. We do root workings for people. Um, we hand make our candles by hand. Uh, we don't drill and fill. We used to starting up the business, but then now we, we literally every intention is in from the moment the waxes melt to it, it, the preparation, everything. It is a ritual process for us. Um, we hand make our oils. So that's another, you know, process for us. And we use organic and, you know, the best quality products that we can find. Um, that was always my goal is to give quality products that are, not just sustainable and attainable, but also affordable. Yeah, I like that that mission that you have, sustainable and affordable and high quality, which is something that you actually, we don't see that very often um, these days. No. A lot of the candles and a lot of the oils and a lot of the things that we want to uh, acquire are very toxic for our systems. And for those of us who do burn candles and we do use candles for spiritual uh, healing and for meditation and focal time and practice mm -hmm. how we're breathing that in makes a huge difference in the long run in many years yes you know a lot of people are like well your candles don't have a strong scent and i'm like well i use essential oils and even with that i have to be cautious of certain essential oils you can't you know it, it they don't have a strong throw it doesn't matter the wax that we use um, you know, we, we really work to obtain to, to have that high quality. Yeah, know? that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I'm just imagining that, um, in order to make the products that you, that you sell, and I, I want to take a step back for our listeners, um, before I get into that, because maybe some of them don't understand exactly what root work is. Can you tell us, can you give our listeners it's like a pretty good description of what a root worker is? 
basically we um root work is basically doing um spell work if you want to also use it it's no different than doing a prayer it's kind of like if you're coming from a catholic background you have the candles you do your prayers you work it um but we also use herbs we use um different curios at the time but we also you know i sit there and i when we're doing a root working we're working the work so if i'm seeing a blockage in a candle say a female figure candle and it's not it's burning slower than her um the person she's wanting to be with i will sit there and go okay we're gonna need to work through these blockages you know, mm -hmm. I use my psychic abilities and I really sit there and I work with it and I work with the spirit of that person that they've given me that permission to do to help them have the life that they're wanting. I think that's something that is a, a always a constant battle for us as spirit workers is to teach people about the differences between the various paths, yes. um, to do it in a way that empowers each and every path. Yes. Um, to know, you know, so, you know, for example, for myself, I, I do not do root work, but with the, with the magic that I do, there's a, a certain type of it that is similar that comes from the Caribbean, but it's different and yet the same. Yes. So we have similarities, we have differences. It's so important to know all the different paths so that we can teach it to our people, right? And just right. be those beautiful, uh, you know, how it used to be in the old days that, the midwife, the family counselor, the minister, the priestess, we were the full rounded picture to be able to help people through their passages in life. And with root work, there's this fascinating history from the South that I, I think is, is just so connected to your own personal history, your ancestry and your lineage. Yes. Um, and then also to, to know that when somebody's buying a product for you, to know that it's not just being placed on uh, a table and left. Yeah. This yeah. is something that you're pouring your heart and your love into your personal work. What, you know, how you've accomplished your, the character of your soul, right? Yes. And then I also hear that you had to have a background in herbal medicine. Yes. Herbal preparations, understanding how to mix the alchemy of the various plants. And oil making is also very mm, alchemical as well, yeah. right? Yes. So can you share with us some of the s teachings that you've had to undergo to augment and to support your candles and oils and powders? Well, you know, believe it or not, you know, with the essential oils, um, really, I got started doing that. When I got, when I was pregnant with my son, I've always been interested in herbs since I was a young girl. And, you know, I started diving into like the Garden of Eden when I was in, really in Birmingham. I got an exposure. That's where I got started. I moved when I was 21 down there and wanting a new start in Birmingham, Alabama. And I have family there and it was just a great start for me. And it was a way to, to grow. And I, I just, I, at the time I wanted to get out of Indiana. Okay. Um, the Midwest. And then I wanted to go home. Alabama has always been home to me. So, you know, diving down into there and just taking a leap of faith, I got involved, um, with the pagans down there in the pagan community. And, you know, I started learning and there was this, um, wonderful woman, that was co-owner of the shop down there that I worked for. And she was an herbalist and she was studying to be a master herbalism. And I remember I just kind of like just the information she gave and just the knowledge that I had that really kind of started me mm -hmm. um, down that path. And from there, you know, Herbal Academy, I, I highly recommend. I really enjoyed their, um, their um, academic for herbalism and it's at your own pace and it's it's really nice because sometimes we get busy so you don't always have the time to take a, a like a digital you know a course but for me I always had a connection with plants I always had a connection with animals even at a young age where I would go and sit in a birch tree and I didn't know but it was soothing to me it was healing to me I could feel the energy of that plant and that's the beauty of working with the plants and the animals is that they also 
they have um, the spirit aids us. It's an ally, you mm -hmm. know, and it's just, it's always been natural. And as I've grown in my own studies, whether I'm reading books and working with baneful um, plants, which is not something I looked for. <laughs> it's found me literally. I found this year alone, like three Dantura plants, just like sitting there and it's like, mm -hmm. take me home. And it's like, okay, I find you because there's a medicine. And also I'm doing a community service because most people around here do not know what Dantora is. So I'll sit there and I'll work with the plant and like with the spirit of Dantora, it's about tapping into that wildness within us, letting go of boundaries, being wild, allowing us to extend ourselves past our limitations mm -hmm. because so many of the times we, and especially as a business owner, we, we can put limitations on ourselves on what we can do and what we can't do. And it's when you let go and you kind of lean in with that curiosity. And that's what I love about the spirituality and, and, you know, my path as a priestess, it's, it's curious. It's always been what, what if in a good way, not in a bad way, what if, what if I could do this? Well, if I'm supposed to do this, then make it happen. And it was always getting from point A to point B. And for me, you know, I've been able to do things like, you know, start doing readings at 21 years old in um, a store called Books, Beans and Candles in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, I've created my shop, which I didn't know anything about business, anything really, when I started doing readings at 21. And I've grown since then so much, let alone to have a store and then go from an online shop to having a brick and mortar shop and seeing the steps that I had to take, the rules I had to take. Let's stretch it further. Let's see what happens. Growing um, from witchcraft, going in and getting initiated into Haitian voodoo. Um, it's, it's a whole new realm and it does stretch you. And the initiation is just the beginning. And it usually will tear down and destroy just like any transition so it can help you rebuild and to grow. And I think that's the beauty that I found is, you know, as I'm doing this and I set my heart into service mode, wanting to help others, I'm learning to help myself and find out where, where I'm going. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And what I hear in what you're saying is two things. First, that you really, you really provide a, your products and your life from your heart, like from, from your mission is very heartfelt. Mm -hmm which is beautiful to hear. And then the second thing that I hear is, is that, you know, you've, you've continued to learn and to honor the, the, the label of being a priestess. Yes. And some of the things that I've noticed is that oftentimes people will reach out to me and want to know what my credentials are. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny because usually people don't call themselves a healer or a priestess unless they have a large background in anatomy, mm -hmm. physiology, yes. herbal medicine, um, yep. gone through initiatory rites, which is takes, you know, somewhere between six to 10 years of, of learning. The background that we have is substantial. I never get anybody in a Christian community, a Muslim community, or, um, or a Catholic community who wants to know what the credentials are. It's always people who are inside of the Wiccan and pagan communities. And those witches are out there um, hunting and yes. looking for people to try to tear down in order to draw themselves up. And it's an interesting dynamic. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it's like, I, I, I really ask myself, do I want to give the energy to that? Exactly. Because I don't have to prove myself to anybody. I've studied, you know, I've been lucky to be a student of the Temple of Witchcraft. I've been fortunate enough to learn underneath some of the most respected teachers elders in the, yeah, elders mm -hmm. in the community. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Because there's been a lot of lessons and I'm not telling you that it's all easy because a lot of this path is not easy. This is spiritual work for a reason. You know, it's really to dig in there and find yourself and to grow. And, you know, 
I'm very fortunate of, you know, being able to go to Hexfest, being able to do, you know, the um, New York Witches Festival, you know, being a part of these big things and knowing some of these amazing elders that have paid, paved the way for me to do. To grow and to, and to develop in. Yes. And so can you tell us specifically like some of the dreams that you've had that have come true? And let me tell you why I'm asking this question is because our focus of this work is to help inspire people that are, say, where you were 10 years ago, uh, five years ago. We all go through cycles, right? And there's cycles of success. And then there's what comes prior to that. There's the, the, the training, there's the confrontation, the brink of enlightenment, life handing you curveballs. And through it all, you've accomplished some pretty fam fabulous dreams. And I kind of would like to hear some of them that you really worked towards um, accomplishing that you actually did accomplish so that we could really help inspire people who are in a cycle of um, setbacks right now. A lot of us who are artists, a lot of people who are business owners, especially females are, and, and mothers are having a difficult time being inspired to move forward. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, going back to the, you know, being harassed by other witches and stuff like this. We just don't give it attention. We give attention to the positive. And when we do that, we can keep our focus and keep that magic rolling to manifest something extraordinary. Um, can you share with us something extraordinary that you've accomplished that really was a dream that you that you really made it come true? And that well, could be personal or professional. Honestly, um, I can honestly tell you, working with Christopher Penzak, um, I was able to be a part and help with, he has a book, Lighting Up the Candle, that he released, I think about a year ago. He called me up and he was like, look, can you take pictures for me of your candles? And I was able, I had always had Matt, like just Matt, massive love and massive respect for Christopher, just from everything that he's accomplished and he's built and, and his books. I mean, he's written over 20 books. I mean, just the knowledge of this, of just high respects. And he came to me and he was like, can you help me? And I was like, absolutely. So we did. And, you know, we actually have in the book, in his book, not only did he give me a thank you, which I was not expecting our pictures of our candles are in the, in the book. Um, I had always wanted to work with him and it just came to me out of building a relationship with him and having respect for one another. You know, I was able to help my mentor. Like, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Just by being authentic and being committed. Yeah. And to be in a published book. My yeah. Store. <laughs> we have a literally a, a page for our store in the back of his book. They were like, make an ad for us. And I was like, are you serious? Really? <laughs> like, okay. You know, just to, you know, have that exposure. I was just so deeply honored and just his friendship and mentorship, I, I deeply respect. Um, being able to work with some of the people that I've worked with, um, that I've grown up, I've been able to take classes and work, you know, with Lori Cabot. Like she was one of my first books that I had ever written when I was getting, had ever read when I got started. You know, meeting some of these people that you look up to at the beginning of your, your journey I've gotten to know most of my, you know, the people that I respect and that I read from, like I read their books and now I'm friends with them. Like anything is possible. I've met some amazing celebrities because I was like, I can do it. Why not? Why can't I meet them? And I've done it, you know? And it's just like, if, you let go. I mean, even my shop, my shop is the greatest manifestation. Actually, I would say my kids are. Yeah. <laughs> my kids, I wanted kids when I was such a young age. And literally, I couldn't ask for any better. I mean, my children are just the greatest manifestations of my dreams. Honestly, my shop. Yeah, I want to. 
I want to walk down that track for a minute. So I, you know, I'm still getting to know you, so I don't know if this applies completely, but I, I kind of have a feeling. So when I first started my, um, I did spiritual work since I was a child too, mm -hmm. um, but I had the opportunity of training with shamans in New Mexico uh, from a very young age. So I actually got to uh, be in, in the Kiva, I got to be in the teepees, I got to learn with them hands-on, right? Yes. That, that was intense. And that went on for many years into my teenage years. And I never have stopped learning since I was, uh, I started my first initiation when I was in fourth grade. So, and that was with the shamans. Um, and so I've always like, you know, just sort of slowly added to the, to the packet of, of work that I can help people with. Right. But I never felt because I had a, a very difficult childhood. I was raised by my brother who was a, an alcoholic mm -hmm. and it was very disturbing. Like there was a lot of disturbing things that happened. And I left home from my home at 15 to find more shamans to work with. Really not knowing that I left home in order to save myself. I just felt like it. <laughs> and it wasn't until a long time later that I was able to look back and be like, wow, spirit really gave me strength. And spirit really led me out. Um, and I felt for a long time that I wanted children, but I was terrified of having them deeply terrified because I literally felt like I wouldn't be able to be a, a good mom. Mm -hmm. And so when I started my Vodou teachings, which has been 10 years now, um, I came in with a desire to heal that, to heal the fear about having children. And we have a series of work in the Vodou teachings for our listeners that's called ancestral clearing. It's when you clear the ancestry. And so you take the time to be guided by your teacher and they help you clean and clear out of your system and your body the false beliefs that hold you back. And then I also we also have training about how to be in life, how to be with your finances. That's why people who do this type of spiritual work tend to be successful. Because it is about having success in your life. For us in Vodou, we don't we don't think of enlightenment as a sing singular event between oneself and the divine. We think of it like that. We have that, but it doesn't count until it's manifesting positively in your life. Mm -hmm. And those rites, those passages are vetted by our teachers. So it's very strict tradition. Yes. And so what I'm getting to is that, was it similar for you? Did you use a lot of your herbs and a lot of your curios and magic to help you get to the point of being an awesome mother and wife? Absolutely. Um, you know, I actually, but I think in, you know, when we did our first, interview getting to know each other a little bit um we were talking about how you know i i started an ancestor altar before i knew what an ancestor altar was to my grandparents who had both had passed at the time and you know helping with that journey and with each relationship and working with the herbs and working delving into my practice it's allowed me to learn from my ancestors, even my parents that are still alive. My biological parents are still alive. And we've had a Rocky, both my parents, my dad is an my dad has had issues with alcohol. Um, and you know, my mother is an abuse victim. She's had her issues. And, you know, to be honest, there was a lot of narcissistic abuse because of my stepfather. He was a recover. He, you know, he had drug addictions. He had PTSD from the war. You know, I, I've, I've been through all of that, and you know, I've had to look at this and going, what am I supposed to learn? Everything that I go through, and even now, from, uh, we haven't really discussed it much, but, you know, we had a shop fire. Our shop, we lost it. Um, and we lost our, our kitten that went, that was our shop cat. 
um, this past Mother's Day. And literally through all of it, it's been allowing myself to see what are the lessons that I'm learning through everything. And where is the next step? It's leaning on spirit and allowing me to trust myself, to have belief and really trust my intuition. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we're going through the journeys and we're going through and learning, we don't always see it. Mm-hmm. We don't. And it's because we're in our emotions. And that's where you have to take that step back and start discerning on, is this actually accurate? Is what I'm feeling, okay, I'm feeling it. I'm honoring it. But is this the truth? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in this transformation, especially over the past couple of months, it's been refinding myself and really going, okay, where was I having fear? Where was I having, you know, a disconnect? And it, it, it's a way of purging and allowing yourself to go, how do I heal my ancestors? What do I need to teach my, 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 my children? And show them that they can do anything. It doesn't matter how big the setbacks are. We've all had to grieve and I've had to help them, you know, go because they love, we all loved our cat and we loved the shop and we didn't realize how much we loved what we had until it was gone. Now we still have our online business, but it's a little bit different. It's not like having people coming in and, you know, people building a community. It's a little bit different. And so my kids are watching this metamorphosis as we're going through this and they're going, it's really not that bad. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's hard. It's difficult. you got to, you know, kind of refocus. And, and sometimes there's days where I just don't want to do a thing. But through each step, I'm always leaning on my ancestors and going, what would they do? Mm-hmm. What am I feeling led to do? Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes it's like, get your head out of your ass and let's go. <laughs> Exactly. I do. I do. (laughs) And, and that's like, you know, my next question is if you could identify the grit, like the grit that it's taking you to continue to be an awesome mom, to continue to take steps, you know, when shit happens, it's all about the grit that's inside of you. And what I'm hearing you say is that really like the, the, the grit that's inside of you that you've constantly come back to is like kind of like a very strong self-responsibility. Mm-hmm. And how has that self-responsibility shown up in your finances? In the finances? For yeah. me, it's like, well, you know, it's it's being responsible and looking at budgeting. Looking at, okay, what are my responsibilities? What I know I have to provide food, so what do I need to do? And not allowing my pride, not allowing my wants to to get in the way. But for me, I've always used the, I've always known that everything that I needed would be provided for. And I think that's where a lot of people, when they really look at nature, everything that we have, this world is made of abundance. This, this world is made of providing. It's not lack. The biggest thing is, is going and getting in that current of abundance and allowing myself going, what, what are my because everything that I've ever needed has been provided, may not have came the way that I've wanted it, you know, but at the same time, I have it. You know, I'm not ashamed to say there have been points where I, you know, as a mother, I've had to get on, you know, food stamps. I've had to have help or assistance, but you know what? At least I know my children have food. My pride is not going to get in the way and it's not going to stop me. Or if I have to go get a job, I'll go and do it. But it's understanding not to get in the way. It's also to have respect for what you, what you want. And also to be aware are you having any limitations? Mm-hmm. Are you? It's really like, how did your family look at money? And I had to look at my family. There were many times I was looking at them going, why are you saying this? I don't believe this, you know, with mm-hmm. their limited beliefs or, um, you know, they're, they're very 
lack mentality. And I was like, I yeah, scarcity. Yeah, the scarcity of it. Yeah. So for me, looking at this, it's like, are you nurturing it? Are you, you know, for me, finance was always about nurturing and respecting it as like, as an ally, as a friend and understanding, you have to understand how money works, how finances work. And you have to educate yourself. I think that's part of stretching yourself. As a child, I would have never thought, I never thought I was going to be a businesswoman. I always said I was a horrible at math. I would never do business and look at where I'm at. Yeah. You're published. You're in books. You're in yeah. workshops. You go to the, you know, you're with some, you know, you're, you've actually, uh, trans, I don't know if you know this, <laughs> but you've transcended the student, um, space and you're now working with your your allies are actually the people that you looked up to at some point right yes and yes. now you're you're in that position where people are looking to you they're looking up to you they're reading your stuff they're following you they're inspired by you and they're looking at you and you may not even know who these people are but you're making a difference now because of your your strength your self-responsibility and your consistency and then one thing that I do want to note that is really great for our listeners in different parts of the world is that when it comes to our spiritual work, how, how it works is, is that we use spirits. We have relationships with spirits. In hoodoo, that's relationship. They are plant spirits. Same thing in shamanism. So that's all very similar, right? Right. Um, this is, you know, and then there's the Lawa and there's the Mysterios and there's spirits that are ancient parts of nature. Yes, and yes. unlike other spiritual practices, Vodou is different because it is not expected that when we call that they will answer. Exactly. But and honestly, other spiritual practices teach people that if you just write it on a piece of paper, put it out to the universe, it's going to be responded to. And it's not that way in our work. Our work is different. It requires that you heal and are a clean vessel and that you have integrity before the spirits will answer the call. To be a spirit worker that can actually cast good magic you must have gone through your healing and have come through the other side. And then you have a relationship with these very, very, very shy and very powerful beings that will allow you to use some of their energy to help others. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Honestly, I think this is really not talked about enough. And I, mm -hmm. I feel like this is where people realize that they have to build relationship with their spirits. I don't care if you're working with a goddess, God, I don't care if you're working with anything. You have to know a, what you're doing and you have to build a relationship and connect you. And part of that is going to be working on you because you're the channel, you're the vessel, you're that it's, it's a reciprocal relationship. And as you build, and as you start growing, they're going to challenge you. Are you going to keep walking or are you going to walk away? Are you going to keep going? And I don't like to say, I say challenge because, you know, whenever we come through obstacles, it's, it's to see what needs to be healed, what needs, or how do we grow? And people want it very easy and you can't, you can't do it the easy way. Sometimes it can be easy if you listen, but sometimes we do need that little challenge to, to get us out of our comfort zone. And I think surrendering and allowing ourselves to experience, because to me, it's all about the experience. This is what the spiritual path is about, is about the experience um, and allowing you to take those steps where you may not know where you're going, but you know where you're going. If you allow yourself to trust in the spirits that you work with, you know, it's very much a loving, it's a, the way I see my relationship with the spirits is it's a friendship. They're family to me. 
They yeah, I always different. say to my students, it's a love, it's a love life. It's a love relationship. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. You nurture them, you feed them, you candle them, you pour libations for them, you pray. And, and what I love too, that we don't talk about enough, which is why I was so excited to interview you, um, is, is that, you know, that we, we don't do spiritual work for just for ourselves. We do spiritual work for the spirits. Yes. <laughs> yeah, to help them help others like in and so in that way there's like a huge mold that we break in the voto work which is this this notion that and the self-centered notion that spiritual development is all about you in very very many ways we have to heal the you we have to transcend the you so that we could be the open vessel for the spirits yes and it's very much not about the self it's very much breaks that mold of selfishness and really flips really fast into a mode of, of charity. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what one of the greatest lessons my children have taught me is that, that giving that love. And I see it, the spirits through them all the time. I mean, when you look at the Marasa, you know, the Loa, they are the children. They are the hope. They are that charity that just is unconditional. And, and as you can to... see with the children, it's natural in the human condition until it gets trained out of us. Yes. Yes, that's what I was getting ready to say. It's not until we're conditioned to separate that and be separated. Um, and I think that, you know, my love for my spirits, I think that's honestly what does get me through. Because there's times where I'm like, they've never given up on me, no matter how hard, no matter what I've gone through, they've always been there. I've may not seen the picture fully clear, or they may feel distant sometimes, but that's because I'm in the muck. That's because I'm working through something, but they're always absolutely they, and, 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 you know, when people come into the teachings, when they come in to do training and you know healings and spiritual development work one of the things that a lot of times is there is that people are scared or worried that because they have had uh hardships that they're being punished that they've done something wrong mm -hmm. when in reality we see it the exact opposite it's like mm -hmm. you're worthy of the challenge yeah. You would have never received it from the mysteries. The Loaha would have never drawn you through the challenge unless you were worthy of it. And it's a blessing from the great spirit that yeah. you were given that so that you could show that you could use when you have nothing. And this usually tends to happen at a very young age. If you're a spirit worker, you come in with a hard lessons right off the bat. Um, so we tend to have something in common. Most spirit workers have had difficulty with their families or they were abandoned as children. All sorts of things have happened to spiritual workers. Mm -hmm. And there's something inside of them that says nothing else is going to get me through this except for the spirits, except for the mysteries. And I don't know what it is, but I, I know that's what's going to get me through this. And yeah. usually it's either that or a crack. Yeah. in the mind, which means that then that person has schizophrenia or, you know, borderline personality disorder or multiple personalities, so on and so forth. And so it's like, it's either you get it very young or you're very damaged. Yes. And our work has a way of helping people in that are coming from both veins. Yes. Well, I think a lot of the mental illness that we're seeing is because of self-denial and separation from our spiritual selves. And this has been going on for generations. It's not, you know, so it's manifesting in a physical way and it can be healed as you start going on your journey and allowing you to be accepted you you have to accept yourself that's been one of the biggest things that i think i've learned in my spiritual journey is the acceptance of self and self-love 
we look so much on the outside world where we're really everything that we're needing is right within us and our connection. And then once we start seeing what's inside, that's when everything on the outside starts working. And I'm not saying it's always perfect because you know, you know how nature works. There's, there's creation and there's destruction. That's just the cycles, but whatever comes out, there's something usually even better coming in. Can you share with us a unexpected random experience that completely changed the direction of your path? <laughs> well, okay. Yes, I can. Um, it, it's kind of funny when I was 19 years old, I was young. Music has always been my thing. I literally thought I was going to be uh, an entertainer. I thought, Hey, I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to play. This is what I'm going to do. That was my passion. Literally from the time I was born, I've been singing and dancing since I could walk and talk. I almost went to the, the school of Berkeley, but my mom wouldn't let me. And I thought it was such Okay, so we were talking about Berkeley. Yes. Well, I had gotten an invitation out of the mail and I had always wanted to go to an Ivy League school. And like I said, music was my path back then. Um, and it still is. Music and dance um, are still very heavy in my practice today. Um, but I didn't, my mom wouldn't let me go. She was coming from fear and lack and she just didn't, she didn't think she could afford. And I was like, mom, it wasn't about you. <laughs> I go, we could have found a way, but that was my mentality. That's always been my mentality. But from then I didn't. Um, but uh, two years later, I got to meet one of my favorite um, musicians and when I met him, he was just, it was just like such a spiritual moment for me. And it just sent me down my path even harder because at that time I was really starting to study the tarot really hard at 18 and going to witchcraft classes and really starting to dive into that, um, that realm for me at 18. And then, you know, at 19, I met him. And then um, from then on, it just propelled. I moved to, you know, about a year and a half later to Birmingham. And that was always a goal for me. And from there, I started exploring and opening. And, like, I started reading tarot. Like, I didn't know how to get started in tarot. Literally, one day, I just said, I wonder how I would do this professionally. I really enjoy it. I know I can help people. And it just expanded from there. I never looked for it. It came to me. And that's usually how it happens. Um, you know, it, my life completely changed from just taking tarot classes and then having this experience and watching things just propel from there where I thought I was going to be a musician. And it turned out, guess what? I'm going down this path. This is the path that spirits changed. And then when I first met Christopher back in 2009, um, Christopher's been a really big influence in my life. Um, I don't know if he knows that, but um, literally when I was 18, going to that bookstore, um, his books would fall in front of me. Like they would be on the shelf and they would just all of a sudden just get knocked off. And I was like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm paying attention. And at the time I was like, I'm not going to get this. This isn't for me, you know, whatever. And then in 2009, when I met him actually first time in person. So I guess Christopher was really kind of the pivotal point. Another pivotal point in my life where I met him, um, and we just, we started talking and our backgrounds were, you know, of music and playing and how he thought that that was going to be his life. And mm -hmm. I was like, this was so cool to meet somebody of very similar, very kindred spirits. 
mm-hmm. and um, and somebody who I felt like I can learn from. So, and what were some of the biggest setbacks that you had in the time frame of deciding to make money on your art? Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> some of the biggest setbacks having children. Um, literally, I was creating the business. Um, well, three crows. I was working for local shops and I finally just said enough. I was tired of working because I wasn't in alignment with them. I was helping people and I was successful at what I was doing, but I wasn't in alignment with the shops that I was working for. Um, and because so like, what now? Uh, how come you were not in, in alignment? Well, the last shop that I was working for was, you know, we, we, use the jokingly phrase, it was a Walmart of metaphysical stores. It's very commercial. I'm not very commercial. (laughs) So for me, it was really hard. I couldn't even talk about um, saying like magic or Wicca or witchcraft or voodoo or hoodoo. It was, oh, um, call it earth-based religions. Yep. And I was like, no, I'm going (laughs) to call it what it is. I would ask to carry Florida water. They wouldn't. Now that I've opened my shop locally, guess what? They're carrying Florida water. People are wanting the hoodoo. And I'm like, you guys don't even know what hoodoo is. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, I shake my head. I let them do their stuff and going, okay, well, they're done do their thing. I'm going to do mine. That's usually how I see it. And it's easy to get caught up what others are doing when you're doing something. But really, honestly, you have to stay focused on you. And your mission and what the spirits are wanting. And that's been one of the other biggest lessons. But setbacks, you know, having my babies because I had to recover. And I had three children in less than three years. Okay. So I was recovering a lot. I was stretching myself out on how to do an online business. I knew nothing about the online Um, when the time that we did Three Crows. I learned how to set up an LLC, you know, and then, you know, the biggest setback I could say is really looking to have a shop and then to have the shop, you know, I'm in the process now. I think that's been my biggest setback is the fire, you know, and I'm in this process of, but it's allowing me to really truly look at where I'm wanting to go in the future of this business. So it's not the end of the business, but it's a transformation of the business. I totally get that. And, you know, you and 99.9% of the people in the world right now mm-hmm. are in some form of transition, uh, whether it be spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, mentally, they're in some form of transition. Yes. And, you know, the grit that you have, um, in constantly bringing it back to yourself, to self-awareness and self-responsibility and self-accountability, the belief that you have in being positive and uh, setting your own intentions towards your goals, the um, years that you've put into traveling, seeing people, the money that you've spent to travel, to move to new places, to uh, start up work with different teachers, It's immense, the investment that you have that allows you to create change for people, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I want to uncover here in these interviews is, first off, how we devalue ourselves and tend to devalue ourselves as females in any genre, especially art, right? Yes. Um, And also mysticism and spirituality. Um, But there's also like, a hidden pervasive sexism that exists in and around how we run business as women. Yes. And what it is that allows us to feel and think that we are ready to be those professionals. We tend to have 10 times more training than anybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we just keep accruing certifications, right? Because we want all of the bases covered because there's something about being a female that 
when we go out there and we shine the light on ourselves or the light gets shined on us by others, there are other women in the communities that we're involved in that tend to silently want you to be lesser yes. than what you are. Yes. Can you work with me right now to try to identify what that hidden shadow of sexism is that you personally are actually breaking through? You might not know you're breaking through it, but you you are. And we tend to look at the male uh, role models that we have, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, because in our spiritual work, we have a lot of men as an equal community. Yeah. That's what's great about this community is that it's equal women, equal men, right? But let's break some holes in that hidden sexism and call it out for what it is. Can you kind of like maybe identify it for me, for yourself, what you have gone through and not like stories, but like the hidden pervasive psychology of women placing themselves below or above each other. Oh, well, goodness competition, first of all. Um, And not supporting one another. That's, that's huge. Um, that I've seen, um, also manipulation to think that you have to use somebody to get ahead. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot and I love a lot. So keep calling it out because this is great. This is awesome. All right. So we're talking about competition, women not supporting each other, the hidden sexism. Yes. You know, I think a lot of us, we look too much at what the other person, I mean, it's taught. I can tell you from my own experiences growing up, you know, just with my sisters, you know, we were taught to compete or they would go, well, why, why aren't you like her? Why, you know, why can't you be like this? Or, you know, if you are the independent, you are, you know, doing your own thing. It's taught that, okay, we need to take, you know, it's, it's, it's pinning and it doesn't need to happen. I think that honestly, if we would work more together and, you know, not be afraid to shine our own light, because just because you may know what I need to know, but can you do what I do? No. You do it the way that I do it, and I can't do it the way you do it. And the people that need me are going to come to me no matter what. And the people that need you, they're going to come to you. And it's, I think, again, coming from that, that mindset of abundance, a mindset of allowing you to be solid, that you are valid. And I think for a lot of women, they don't feel valid. They don't feel like they matter that they're below or, you know, that they had to get there from one way or another. And maybe there's a wounded, you know, a wound that needs to be healed. Um, And I think that's where I've learned, you know, what other people do or what other people say, it's not about me. It's usually about them. And it's, that's been the hardest lesson because I care so much and not really what other people say, but for them. Yeah. For them. Are people, yeah, I mean, that I thought were friends that really they were just using me to try to get themselves up. I've had that happen and it hurts. And at times it's made me want to go, I don't want this. Fuck this. You know, exactly. Pardon my language, but I'm being real. I'm being honest. It's kind of like, why do we have to do this? Have you uh, had other women try to get you? to perpetrate the same action on others? Mm. Not in the community. Well, I want to say kind of, but at the same time, it was like, no, I had to check myself. I mean, this is really when, as a priestess, you really have to keep yourself in check. You have to check yourself and going, is this my ego? Is this fear? Am I being influenced? If so, how can I change this? Is this really my truth? I mean, it's constantly, um, if you're not solid in who you are, you can get lost in the shuffle. And that's where a lot of, I think a lot of women lose themselves 
and trying to be this perfect image or what they think they should be doing. And they're not fully coming into from themselves. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Or they're, they're trying to prove something, whether it's see, I can be successful or see really I'm, uh, I'm the best at what I do, or even when it comes down to money and focusing on money, money is not a bad thing. Being successful and, you know, wanting to have that success, it's not a bad thing. But at the same time, when you have to tear down people to do it, that's where you've got a problem. And that's where you have to allow yourself to kind of take a step back and going, does this matter? Does this not? When, if it does happen, you know, does this really matter? Is this really what's important? Because if you're not focusing, it can take you off your, 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 what the spirits want you to do, your purpose, so to say. Yes. And in, in spiritual healing and spiritual practice as women, we tend to feel like we can't charge because there is a pervasive belief that women are healers naturally and that they should give it away for free. Yeah. And with all the years that you have and all of the self-accomplishment and everything that you've done, the big question that I have for you today is, do you feel like that your work is being valued financially at the level that you would like it to be valued at? Yes or no? No. So I want to ask you if you can commit to charging more money for your work. Yes, I can. And <laughs> that that's actually something that I've been working on. Um <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's also seeing, I think for me, because we're taught to be humble, we're taught to be, you know, proud, but, you know, stand aligned. But at the same time, it's like, I work just as hard as any, any other man, any other person. And Harder. I really do. But yeah. You know, and I'm just like, why am I, why am I trying to settle? Do I want to? you know, gouge people? Absolutely not. Do I want to just know that I am charging what I am, my worth? What is your worth? Just your worth. Yeah. And if we were to sit with each other and calculate the expenses that you've paid out, you'd be yeah. shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Like shocked. Yeah. <laughs> with, with the taxes, the payroll, you know, the, you know, the, the money that goes to the, to the getting the high quality products. I want people, my mission here is I want people to be ecstatic. I want women to be happy, ecstatic, yeah. to give you money. Like that they know that when they're paying money into one of your products, that they are receiving an immense amount of healing for themselves and that they feel great about yeah. it. Yeah. My goal with my business and, and, you know, with me and TJ is about empowerment. And, you know, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm like, you know, maybe the shop right now is building a stronger foundation for the future. Mm -hmm. And part of that stronger foundation is me seeing what I'm truly worth. And, you know, what do I want? What are my experiences? And honestly, I love teaching. Teaching, I mean... I'm always going to be the student. I always want to know why I wanted, I want, I love learning. Um, that curiosity has never really died within me and I don't think ever will. And even when my time comes to, you know, go somewhere else, <laughs> um, that, that spirit of curiosity, um, is always alive. It's, it's, I think, if you allow it, what leads you? Well, let's look at that for a minute um, around money because you probably would have a lot of interesting curriculum to teach people that maybe they couldn't find elsewhere right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, with money, you know, for the longest time I hated, I, I was like, Oh, 
you know, when I was younger, I was like, it's not about the money. You know, we're taught to hate money. Money is bad, you know, for most family, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of negativity and stigma, but as I grew in my practice, it really allowed me to really go, you know, money is a friend, money is an ally, it's an energy and we have to respect it. You know, you've got to, but it's always there. It's there. And it's also an exchange. So there must be an exchange for the energy that you're putting in and you, and you, I want you to be able to receive the equal for what it is that you're giving out both with your products, but also with your teachings, your classes too. So I want to inspire you to really, really delve into what, what is the calculate financially, what you're worth before you come up with a price range for what you would teach. Because we know, yeah, because we know what you're going to teach is great, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm somebody who would, like, I'm one of your allies. I would refer people to you because I don't teach hoodoo, and I get people who want that all the time, need that, right? So when I send people to you or when other people, when we create a, you know, my goal here is to create a community of women supporting women, okay? Yes, (laughs) artists spiritual workers women supporting women so that when they go to take your courses they know that they are are fully paying what it is worth no more no less yeah yeah and my second question to conclude and then i'm going to give you an opportunity to shout out your links and where people can find you um will you be uh willing to start to call other women out on where they devalue themselves. Yes. Um, That's actually no problem when I do readings, you know, that's because for my readings, I'm there to help you. And usually during that lesson, and I get a lot of women that are like, Oh, I want him back. I want him back. Why do you want him back? What are you really wanting? You know, it's allowing, when I do a reading, it's depending on the person. I mean, each reading is different, but there's always that, that truth. And I have no problem calling out what needs to be called out. And especially even in classes, you know, when they're saying, well, I can't connect. Why? What are you afraid of? You have to dig in deeper. But absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I have no problem calling out that that's beautiful because what you're saying right there just sort of like is perfect for where kind of we got to with this interview today, which is that you're not just a spirit worker. You're not just a root worker. You're a woman's life coach. Yeah. And women who are life coaches, they make $1,500 a month per client. Wow. I don't charge that money because I don't need to. I don't want to. That seems excessive to me. Right. Um, But if you look at the different and that's a corporate world, right? We don't work in the corporate world. Right. right? But what we provide, what you provide is more valuable than a life coach. It is more valuable because you are not just a life coach and taking all of your history and your background, your training, but you're a magician. You yeah. understand the mysteries. You are working in a different realm. Yeah. And we need to be financially stable in order to continue to provide such high quality work. I really appreciate interviewing you today. I think that when you unveil your coursework, that we should have a conversation about what the cost should be so that you okay. value it at a level that actually is sustainable for you. Okay. And that's that hidden sexism is that we're constantly putting ourselves below or, you know, in the case of the coaching way too high. <laughs> yeah. Fair is yeah. fair. And that's how we need to approach our finances so that we can keep doing what we do as artists. And I yeah. love you very much. I cannot wait to become better friends with you. I agree. I'm looking forward to it too. Yeah. Can you shout out your stuff, hon? Yeah. Um, you all can find me at threecrowsconjure.com or we're on Instagram, Facebook, 
and I don't think we're on Twitter, but, um, and we're also on TikTok. So all three crows conjure dot, um, three crows conjure usually all put together. Um, but yeah, there's, there's going to be more coming. And so. it's number three, right? Like not three spelled out number three, right? It's the number three. Thank yeah. you for that. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I was really, really, um, blessed to be with you today. This is Priestess Shoshana with Temple de la Luna. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, YouTube, the podcast, uh, Vimeo channels, we're everywhere at Temple de la Luna. We are a women's empowerment organization who provides healing, readings, spiritual classes, and all sorts of other stuff, dance, anything, health, medical, intuitive, shamanic teachings. Love you all. Talk to you next week.